Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Sunday, October 6th. It has been a little over a week since Clemson pulled out a tight one against North Carolina, 21-20 in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Clemson is number two in the latest AP coaches polls coming out today. The first time the number one has dropped to number two after a win since Ohio State in 2015. Coincidentally, that was when Clemson moved to number one. Ben and Cody here with you today. Cody kind of talked me into taking a week off to let this one sink in. Bye week, I would say, came at a good time for this team and the Tigers. Um, but Cody, uh, again, like I said, it's been a week. We've let the this close win soak in. I would say in years past, this has been a loss. But what are your takeaways from uh, from this tight victory? It's the first one point victory since uh, the LSU Peach Bowl back in 2012. Yeah. Well, at first, I think it, it's not as bad as it felt a week ago. It was, it was good that we we let it simmer and we took the week and actually watched the whole whole game earlier today. And the second watch, every time, you know, you watch it the first first time with a lot of emotion, and then you, you, you know what's going to happen in the second watch. What I thought happened didn't really happen, and we look forward to talking about that later in the episode. Um, second thing is like what you mentioned. The season couldn't stack up better than the way it does from here on out. We needed this by week. There's, there's some warts. There's definitely warts, and there's things that we need to iron out. But, I mean, this, it's really downhill from here. We have plenty of opportunity to iron things out as other – teams in the SEC are beating up against one each other. Yeah, so we're about at the halfway point through the season now, or uh, the regular season, that is. We're, we're five games in. Um, Record-wise, I think we are where we thought we would be at this point. I don't think that a close victory or a close game was out of the question, um, even given the the kind of weakness of our schedule. But even after you got through Texas A&M and you got through Syracuse, which were the two perceived toughest games on our schedule, um, you know, it's hard to go undefeated through a season. And you're going to have games like this. Mac Brown is a good football coach. And when I take a look at UNC now, I actually think they're a good football team. You know, they handled Georgia Tech over the weekend. They opened the season by uh, with wins over South Carolina, Miami. They lost a close one to Wake Forest, who's undefeated. Uh, and then they lost a close one to App State on a blocked field goal at the end. Now, App State, not a Power 5 program, but they're a good football team, um, and that's showing this year in their record. You know, Sam Howell has played great in the fourth quarter all year. Um, I thought he looked unbelievable in this game. They had that beautiful drive uh, to start the game where it was scripted, and then you have us come down and miss the field goal, and I think at that point it was game one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy how that that drive set the tone, how – how well coached Dabo said that they were out coached in this game. And that's absolutely true, but also the players executed like crazy. And I know people get hard, tired of us saying this, but they really do player. It is everyone else's Super Bowl. They get up for it all week long. They're more motivated, more motivation. 
means there's going to be more film study. Um, around campus, there's more of a buzz. That stuff's contagious. We know what it's like at Clemson, you know, on the basketball front. So, like, we know what the, that buildup during the week's like. They came out and they played. And like you said, they're better than what the record suggests and maybe the losses that they have. Yeah, listen, this may not be the last time we see them. It's very likely we could end up against them in the ACC championship game this year. You know, nobody on that side of the conference is really uh, blowing the lid off things. Wait, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Virginia is a decent football team. Pitt has their ups and downs, but North Carolina could be right in there. You know, we've seen the, the Coastal in years past uh, be a very, from top to bottom, like teams are very equal. So um, we may have a, a chance at revenge, if you can call it revenge, coming off a loss. Um, but, yeah, you know, throughout this game, I really didn't, I wasn't, I was concerned that we weren't putting up the numbers on offense. I thought the defense looked good for the most part. Um, but at what point for you did you really start feeling concerned that, oh, man, we could actually lose this game? We didn't lead until 10 minutes left in the game. Yeah, I, I would say unlike the Syracuse game where you felt like, oh, crap, in the second quarter, I think, of last year. Um, I think this one I felt pretty comfortable until the fourth quarter. Like pretty much, even though we were really skating um, on thin ice, it, it felt like we were under control until they had a, uh, the option for the two-point conversion. I mean, I thought we played well. But like all the ingredients were there for an upset. They were playing out of their minds, like every type of like one play that has to be made. Um, it, it, the 50-50 occasions seem to, seem to go in their favor every time. That said, I thought we were in good shape the whole, the whole way through. Yeah, and there were some big moments in this game um, that you would, you would think to typically see out of a championship team. You know, the defense had the big stop on fourth and one um, at, at there at the beginning of the, um, the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, and then we took the ball, went down, and scored uh, to go up 21-14. to 14. Lawrence had a great scramble. Um, and threw the ball away to avoid a sack early in the drive. Um, he had one run where he just ran over two people and took them out. We did have some poorly timed false starts. Um, Chalk had one on that on their last touchdown drive, but it ended with that beautiful 39-yard TD pass to Higgins. And then UNC takes the ball with almost 10 minutes left in the game, goes 16 plays, 75 yards, taking off almost a little over eight and a half minutes on that final drive. Um, they had two fourth down conversions. There were a lot of missed tackles on that drive. I think the defense was probably getting uh, a little tired at that point. And then it came down to that two-point conversion stop, which when you went back and watched that play again, like it wasn't over when we had Sam, Sam Howell uh, down. He still managed to get rid of the ball to a back. Uh, and then they could have gotten the, the onside kick there at the end. So it was, it was still maybe even a lot closer than the one point seemed with that stop at the end. It wasn't over once that happened. Right. It, it was sort of a wonky game, too. You mentioned Sam Howell. I really like him. He made some plays that, like, were, you know, once in a probably one in 10 chance of making. But he, I mean, he made them. Um, real lot of poise for a freshman. I'll give him credit for that. And their running backs, I think, I think throughout their roster, like, they have some talent in their secondary. Their running backs were solid. Some of their defensive linemen, I thought, played well. So it wasn't like, I don't know. It seemed like they were a little bit better uh, in terms of talent and the, everything they put together, the coaching kind of, and, and some luck, uh, I think, kind of put everything together uh, to give them a chance to win. Yeah, and listen, we, and we've said this time and again, we're getting everybody's best shot every time we go up to play them, especially when you go on the road. And this was the game that was the nail-biter for us this year. Hopefully it's the last one. You, you still take a look at the schedule, and you're not too concerned about many of the teams. 
Uh, Hornybrook has Florida State looking a little bit better, but their defense is still pretty suspect. And then it's really still nothing again until Wake Forest and South Carolina at the end of the year. Um, so, you know, where does this – I think a lot of people jump ship on, on Clemson after the, the close win here. Um, just to see all the, the national uh, sports writers and everything talk down about Clemson, obviously I have no problem with us being moved back to number two, whatever. Um, but it's like they forget that all these other teams have really yet to play anybody either. And they're going to have to play people at some point. Like there's not going to be four undefeated teams at the end of the year. I don't want to hear, oh, Oregon's undefeated at the end of the year. I put them in ahead of Clemson. Like BS, like, come on. All these teams aren't going to go undefeated. Like it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's, it's very like reactive, um, which, you know, whatever. Their, their, their job is to pr- promote the game and they want to see, you know, more uh, parody. They want to see some new blood, then whatever. Promote Oregon, promote Florida. I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe Auburn. I, but ultimately, yeah, like we, we've seen this from Clemson. I even think the most doomsday fans of, 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 of Clemson's fan base probably aren't, aren't that alarmed by this. This is not good, though. Like, I mean, let's not, let's not undermine. Well, it's, not, it's not good for fans. As a fan, it wasn't good. But I think for the team, you mentioned it, like, Coming right before this bide week, it could be the best time to have a game like this because you, you get the off week. You Hopefully that, that game has everybody's attention at this point. And we've kind of needed these things, you know. Back in 2016, it was the pit loss that really had us turn things around and, and start clicking and functioning on offense. Right. And the talking heads, the Colin Cowherds of the world were talking down to Clemson. And now a lot of the talking heads are doing that. And like for Dabo, he's just using that concocted it all to a big thing of motivation and pointing to it. And now it actually, actually bodes well. I I think that this team, there are some problems though. It's not like, Hey, you know, I've seen some articles like it happened in 16, it happened in 15. Like, sure it did. But like this, this offense through and through has the most talent of any of those offenses, the best offensive line. Like there's, there's some things going wrong on that side of the ball that do need to be addressed though. Yeah, and then you mentioned the mistakes. You know, Dabo had a comment after the game pointing out that we're playing 80 freshmen and sophomores this year. So um, some of these mistakes that we're seeing is a bit of a sign of a young team. Um, You know, penalties and turnovers can be great equalizers when playing against lesser competition. You know, in this game, it's about when they came. It's not like we were heavily penalized in this game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's when those penalties come. When you're driving, um, when you're near the goal line, you know, when they come in those moments, those can really hurt as opposed to some random false start um, on second and three, you know, earlier in the game or whatever. Um, But it's about when these things come. It's about when the turnovers come. ETN's fumble, I think, really took some steam out of the offense. Then you look to other things, more signs of a young team. You know, you had the penalty on uh, Lynn J. Dixon for loafing off the field. We only had 10 guys on the field on a – on the second goal play on UNC's final drive. And noise seemed to be a factor in this game, which is really weird because it was like half Clemson fans. So I don't really understand what was going on there. No, well, there, were, there was plenty of Tar Heel blue, and they were loud. And I, I can't help but think, like, despite Tar, Tar Heels playing up for Clemson, it's like, hey, man, we're, we're lucky that we had NC State two years ago. We were just a missed field goal away. Um, we're lucky that Syracuse is, wasn't all that great last year and we were able to get through uh, with Chase Bryce. If we played in the SEC, we wouldn't be afforded these like nine lives that were given. So that's good. Um, I mean, that, that we're, we could, there is an advantage. Like, I don't know if pa- Paul Feinbaum is, 
has mentioned this, but it is an advantage that you can, your biggest mistakes can be forgiven uh, because it's just, it's lesser competition. And I don't know. I, I don't know what you, what do you think about that, Ben? Well, I do wonder if the philosophy changes if you're in a league like the SEC where, you know, day in and day out, your competition is going to be tougher than what we're seeing out of the ACC this year. So I wonder if it changes the philosophy of subbing all these guys in because we're still playing like too deep there at the end of the game on defense. Um, so still sticking with getting guys in, getting them experience. Um, does it hurt you? Do you lack some continuity earlier in the season? Like we're coming off that game against Charlotte where 111 people played. Um, so you can't really say the offense found a rhythm in that game. Yeah, they played great, but you know, it was a bunch of different guys. It was the whole cast out there. So, you know, coming back to this UNC game, it, it still doesn't seem like they've gelled. And it's, it's what you see out of that veteran offensive line with the false starts penalties. So I do wonder, um, A, is that philosophy, does it lead to these type of results sometimes? And B, if we were in the SEC, would we actually continue uh, uh, doing things like we do? Well, the answer to that is if we had any sense, we wouldn't go into our second and third string as quickly if we're playing against an LSU, Bama, or Georgia. But And I, I think we're we're just both lucky and unlucky that we don't get to play great competition. But at the same time, it is nice to get the, the depth and uh, get them experience. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, we're playing with fire. And I, my, like my, my thought is like, Hey, I get it. I love, I love the, the selling the second, third stringers, a hundred plus players getting in looks good for recruiting. But when you get to the point where you're about to lose and put your, your season goals at, at jeopardy, it's like, I think you're, I think you just need to re recalibrate, rethink some things. And it, really, I don't think it's, it's not, it's not that they're, they're playing at every position. Like the offensive line pretty much stays in the whole game. Uh, the defense, the one thing about Venables is he doesn't generally just sub guys in unless he knows they're ready. Um, on offense, I think wider, the constant shuffling of wide receivers may have something to do with like some timing things. It may have to do something to do with identity that we're trying to establish, but we haven't really quite yet figured that out. Maybe they're concealing things. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tricky, cr tricky thing to call. Yeah, and I would say on the defensive side of the ball, I actually think instead of subbing guys uh, just to get them some playing time and experience, I think Venables is still trying to figure out who his starting defensive ends and linebackers are. Yeah, no, I mean, in, in that case, it's not like, yeah, you do have to have depth there. and But there's talent. I mean, like, KJ Henry's coming along. There's talent there, but, you know, like linebacker, you have to trust guys. At offensive line, you have to be able to trust them. So as we begin to break this game down a little bit further, I think the obvious place to start is with the offense. We only had 331 total yards on the day. We were 8 of 15 on third down, so that was a bit of an improvement. But we still see those first down struggles that have been kind of plaguing us all year. And also the question arises, why aren't we throwing the ball over the middle the more? Um, I know teams are kind of trying to force us to run um, and taking away the underneath stuff and making us throw the ball deep. But it just seems like we're not being very creative or we're limiting ourselves with the parts of the field that we're playing with. Yeah. There, well, there's a lot of things going on and I watched the game uh, and, and thinking what the heck's going on. What's Tony Elliott messing up on? And, you know, I'm no film guru, but I can find a few things here and there. And really second watch, I was first, I think you did actually a solid job in this game. Um, I think, I think Trevor Lawrence played a lot better in real time than I thought as well. Um, I don't know what you, what did you think on second watch? Uh, well, on second watch, really the thing that that, that uh, stood out to me was those mistakes, um, unforced errors that just came at bad times, right, when we're driving, and it really takes the momentum out 
Um, there were great plays in this game, for sure. There was great throws by Trevor Lawrence. I'd really like to see us roll him out more um, to let him throw on the run. Um, but, you know, you, you think there during the game, you're like, why aren't we running the ball more? Um, is it something with the offensive line? They're getting some pressure on him. But when you go back, it wasn't as terrible as it seemed, as the 21 points seemed at the time. Yeah, it really wasn't. Like you mentioned, they took the whole fourth quarter um, on pretty much one drive. Uh, we had the first five minutes where we scored, then they pretty much had the ball from that point on. And the first drive actually looked good. Um, I, the, the one thing, let me, I'll, I'll, one thing that I, I circled on the, on the film um, on, during the first half are the screen passes. Yeah. That's really starting to drive me crazy because it's driving everybody crazy. It's they, we did it four times, all for no gains or tackle for loss. And I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense. Unless they're, unless he's saving it or he's trying to use it for later to open something up later, whether that be later in a game, which I didn't see in this game, or later in the season, he's trying to suck defenders in and then looking for something later. But the reason it's crazy is because I don't think you have the personnel right now. I think Amari Rodgers is the one guy that you can they can make plays in space like that. He just doesn't have – he doesn't look full speed right now. It doesn't, his ability to cut and make guys miss just doesn't seem to be there. And then Justin Ross might be the other player that could do that, um, but he hasn't looked great so far in terms of open field um, making you miss. We know he does a pretty good job as a boundary receiver. Why don't we stick with that more? And um, DeAndre Overton, another good boundary receiver, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to make, uh, make plays in the open field. So really, to me, that's, those are just kind of nothing plays, but yet we keep going to it. Yeah, and then we get it to Cornell Powell, and he does have an open field and just <laughs> falls or trips over the turf. Um, I think, a nice play call, though. Yeah, no, good play call. Um, well, everybody's griping about the screens, mainly because they're not working. Um, five screen passes to wide receivers on the day uh, netted uh, a total of three yards. We're throwing screen passes at about the same rate as we were last year at this point. It's part of this offense. It's part of the identity, but... You do have to question, like when it's not working, why why are we keep why do we keep going back to it? I mean, I, I the only thing I can think of is for one, it, it helps Trevor get into some some rhythm, find some confidence. It helps we can point to receivers and say, hey, we we spread the ball around. You come to Clemson, you're going to get catches. Um, and then the other thing that I mentioned, maybe you're opening up for something later. But again, uh, you know, let's. I think there's better play calls that could be made. There's things, there's action downfield, and there's a guy on this roster named T. Higgins. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's the best player, best receiver in the country. And I don't say that as like a Clemson uh, homer, uh, which I'm, if anyone up from an opposing team is listening, is probably what they think. But I watch Jerry Judy. I watch all the best receivers in the country. T. Higgins is the best receiver in the country. Why yeah. aren't we – I mean, we do throw to him, but – like let's let's cut out all the like the guesswork and the overthinking and just know that you had the best receiver in the country and pass it to him. Yeah, six receptions for 129 yards and a TD in this one. He's been playing phenomenally all year. Yeah, I get it. You want to keep getting the ball to him, but we still have all these amazing weapons on, on the offensive side of the ball. So something's just not clicking. Again, they throw in all the false starts by the offensive line, but you know, Trevor Lawrence actually for the first time seemed a little rattled at times to me in this game. He did make some great throws, but struggled with some high throws as well. Um, so it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's not the continuity or the offense hasn't gelled yet or things. You know, I went and took a look back at last year through the first five games, and you really can't make that comparison because Kelly Bryant started the first four, then Trevor Lawrence was out early in the Syracuse game. 
Uh, so really looking at the next five games, our, we were penalized about the same. The turnovers uh, were in our favor. I think we were like a plus two through Trevor's first uh, five starts, not taking the um, Syracuse game into account. And I think we're about minus one right now. Um, so there's a slight difference, but you know, overall, it's, it's, it's really no excuse. It doesn't seem to be excuse. And all the talent that we have coming back, the veteran guys we have coming back, it just doesn't make sense. And I think that's what we're struggling to, to get through. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you laid out a lot right there, but I would start the, the offensive line has been solid. And I think for the most part, they've protected uh, Trevor Lawrence pretty well this year. Um, but I would say they've been a little bit, I mean, I think we've had a little bit higher expectations with them because they're such a senior laden squad with a lot of talent. They haven't kept him quite as clean as, as I'd have liked in the run game. They haven't been quite as, as great at creating the running lanes. And, and part of that is, is different looks, bringing safeties into a seven man box because they're, they're spying. Um, well, they're not spying so much. They're, they're keeping an eye on ETN and they don't want ETN to, to beat us. Um, so he did look rattled. Um, I, I think another big part, and we said this, I think we said this in person, you mentioned this, Braden Galloway not being on this team has hurt. There's some, there's some stuff I know that's, that we put in our back pocket uh, that's some packages for J.C. Chalk that will ultimately be packages for Galloway if we get him back in the playoff. I think there's some things that we could go to to open some things up down the seam. Yeah, you know, Chalk's doing the, the best job that he can. He's still not a great blocker. He's catching the balls that are thrown to him, but you can't get really creative uh, with him at the tight end as your receiving threat at the tight end position. So I would really love to see Davis Allen or Jalen Lay come along and, and at least become a pass threat over the middle. I think that's something that this team is really lacking. And it's hard to tell if it's lacking or if the, if it's just not, they're not putting it on film. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. At a, at a certain point, you got to stop being afraid of putting stuff on film and go out there and win the game. Yeah, I mean the way, which, which to their credit they've done. We're five and zero. We're a two point conversion, uh, a stupid option play away from not being uh, from being four and one. But no, I'm, I'm with you. I think I actually I thought the balance though between pass and run was pretty good. I thought I th- I think ETA maybe. F- forcing the issue a little bit. Um, part of it is, again, I think their defensive line was doing a good job of filling gaps and getting off of blocks, and the running lanes weren't there. Um, but with that, I think Etienne's got to be just a bit more patient. He's still, I mean, he's still just maybe the best running back in the country, or he's up there. Um, but that, that's something that could improve. Uh, you mentioned Lawrence got a little bit rattled, and I think he did. I think there was a, a point where he did get rattled and they were constantly getting the penalty. So it put them back behind and they were behind playing behind the chains. That hurts. Um, there's some plays too that I feel like are just drawn up by Tony Elliott. And they're like the five or six little um, like hitch, hitch uh, rat routes. And sometimes they're not even past the line of scrimmage or I'm sorry, past the first down marker. I, I don't know why we, we go into these prefab things instead of letting, letting Trevor Lawrence really, uh, look at his coverages and make make throws downfield. You know, all in all, a you got to give credit to North Carolina's defense. I was really impressed by their speed and physicality in this game. Chad Surratt is a really amazing linebacker. I thought he played fantastic in this game. I don't know why we kept trying to have ETM block him because it wasn't working for the <laughs> most part. Um, so you got to give UNC credit there, and then also I think it's a lack of focus in this one. I think that has a lot to do with it. You talk about a young team. They've had the grueling uh, August camp and then five games now into the season, and you just kind of go into this one and let your guard down. 
on the road. And, you know, you'll see even teams that don't have a lot of talent, if they have a good coaching staff in place, they can do things. They can make things close. Like Kansas is terrible. They went and beat Boston College this year. Um, Louisville has started to turn it around a little bit under Scott Satterfield, um, even with not a lot of great talent there. So good coaching can make a difference. And, you know, all things considered, um, I think looking back in hindsight, it was kind of all set up uh, to be a trap game. Well, obviously, so. I mean, I think, I think you're right. And you mentioned coaching. I, you know, I wish the Kraken were back on his, uh, his site where he could do a little bit more analysis on, on what's going on um, down to down. And there's some really, really nice stuff we found out about the team last year. Um, but, but ultimately, it, it seems to me that, that Clemson has a bit of a template from week to week. I, I'm sure they're put into work. I think the players and the, and the culture there uh, brings out a lot in each individual. But there is something to be say, like said for what you said, just kind of sl- like slacking off or not bringing 100% effort. And it seems to me there's like, like saying this generically, like we play Clemson football, meaning we're just, we're going to, we're going to do what we do. But sometimes like, like that's not what we did against Notre Dame. That's certainly not what we did against Alabama. Sometimes it's like, let's dissect their weaknesses and then attack them. And I don't see, I don't see us play a matchup specific, uh, or at least on offense, I don't see us calling matchups um, and, and, and looking at our, probably our greatest matchup, which is T Higgins. Uh, I see them trying to do, diversity of, of play calling and playmakers and and trying to do like this this thing where you just have interchangeable cogs in the system whereas like i think the identity comes in and just understanding who your best players are yeah and i think moving forward um depending on how the offense goes you may start to see them lean a bit more heavily on those uh, uh the stars right the offense are you concerned at all about the offense right now five games in yeah, I mean, you're, 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 I think you're lying um, if you're not saying you're a little bit concerned. Ultimately, I think we'll find that, that gear that we're hoping to find. That said, um, you never know that you're going to hit that top ceiling, and that's where we had to get to last year in order to win a championship. There's no, there's no guarantee that we'll be anything like what we were against Notre Dame in Alabama. So I'm not too concerned yet. We've seen this story play out before over the last several seasons. We've historically gotten off to slow starts on the offense. We were super concerned about the 2016 offense. Um, obviously, it took a little time to get things in gear last year. Part of that was due to the – a large part of that due to the quarterback battle. But what I'd really like to see, and I think um, I think the, de- the deciding factor for me of whether or not I'm going to ultimately be concerned is – how we play coming out against Florida State next week. They don't have a great defense. I want to see if this team got the message, uh, realized they can't just coast, and start to put it all together and become the efficient offense that we thought they would be. It's funny you say efficient offense. So I had a thought, and this is a bit of a hot take, and you tell me if I'm stupid or not. It seemed like Tony Elliott, the way that he calls games, he calls games for efficiency to – to build in a, you know, again, a diversity of play calls of, of making sure that we're staying ahead of the change. And like, as you know, Bill Conley would say, it's, it's efficiency. It's, I think it's five, five yards on first down. It's um, eight yards by second down. And of course it's, it's converting on third downs. That's efficient football. We were, we were that team when we had Kelly Bryant on a, on a down to down yep. basis. He was the guy that that's going to make probably the correct play the majority of the time. The two stud quarterbacks that we've had, and that um, bookend him, which was which was obviously Deshaun Watson, and now Trevor Lawrence aren't necessarily as efficient. I think I think Trevor Lawrence could work to that, 
ultimately though, they're, they're just kind of like, there's no script for Deshaun Watson and the greatness that he was. And there's no way to, to plan for that. So in my mind, it's like Tony Elliott may have liked as a play caller, a guy like Kelly Bryant more. Um, whereas it's hard to tailor a game plan to someone that has like transcendent talent, like Trevor Lawrence or like Deshaun Watson. And maybe he's having a hard time, um, crafting things up to, 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 to maximize his talent. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's stupid. Um, <laughs> you're going to say that after even before you, I was gonna, no, matter, no matter what you said, I was going to say that. Yeah. No, I, well, I think it, it might be a little ridiculous to say that he prefers to call plays for Kelly Bryant as opposed to uh, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. But listen, uh, the, the offense is going to be a little bit more efficient under a guy like Kelly Bryant because he doesn't throw the ball down the field. Um, the it's a it's not as high of a percentage play when you're throwing the ball deep and Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence did that uh more than Kelly Bryant did uh the the question is do they start connecting does Trevor Lawrence start connecting on more of these and do we start opening up the middle to at least give us um some more variety in the offense um but I can't imagine that yeah I don't know I think Tony Elliott's perfectly happy calling plays for uh Trevor Lawrence I, I'm not necessarily, I'm not saying he's not happy, just that the way that he is kind of, he engineers the offense. He needs yeah. someone that's more reliable. Um, and even Cole Stout, when they had that one game sample, he brought the best out of a guy like Cole Stout. Yeah. I, I, and I'm, and you know, I, I think he did just fine in the, in the playoff. So I'm, I think he'll be fine for the, if we make it to another playoff. You know, when I think, I think a big key to all of this um, that we're starting to see rolled into the game plan more and more is Trevor running with his legs. That makes a huge difference. He had some big uh, runs on the read option on first down, on a couple first down plays. Uh, he, he scored a few times this year, taking off and running the ball, and he's picking up yards and chunks when he does. He's been very smart and uh, knowing when to pull it. It opens up a whole new dimension to the offense. I mean, it's we're going to have to do it. Teams are keying too much on Etienne, and they certainly were the first couple of games. Now, I think that's going to be pretty much a a fundamental part of the offense if you're playing against some of the best teams. I don't think we're going to win a Heisman this year. No, you have to. I, I think we ruled it out a week ago, two weeks ago, maybe. Let's talk defense. So five games in, the defense has been the bright spot on this team this year, playing a lot better than we would have anticipated heading into the season, given how much turnover there was. But are we staring down some issues maybe that have been covered up due to the lack of quality of competition? You know, Charlotte got the, got the ground game going, uh, as did North Carolina in this game. Is there any concerns that you have about um, our rush defense and then also the lack of a pass rush, at least from our, our, our front line? No, not. I mean, is it going to be as good as last year? No, but ultimately, I mean, I, I think there's ways to create pressure aside from just having, you know, four studs that can get after the quarterback every time. So, well, no, I think and, I, I'm actually, I thought the defense played out of their minds in this game. Yeah, you know, and Venables has done a really good job of uh, you know coming up with these new formations this year that um, allow him to rely more heavily on the talented uh, guys at linebacker and in the secondary to help out with the pass rush and in defending the run. Um, I will say the blitzes weren't as successful early on in this game, but they did start to pick up in the second half. But I think when you talk about a wart or an obvious weakness, I think 
at least for me, the defensive line and maybe the defensive tackles is, is where you kind of zero in on. Yeah, well, I think so. And XT is as great as he is. I think he, I don't know if it's that he's not quite living up to his potential as a pass rusher, or if he's just getting that many double teams or they're going uh, just three down at the line of scrimmage. And he doesn't really have those one-on-one opportunities because there's not a really a, a stud. Um, well, there's not two studs, a defensive tackle. We'll say that. No, it's really Tyler Davis at this point. Niles Pickney got blown up and pushed back eight yards on the first play of the game. Um, so we're just not getting that penetration that, that we've got. And I guess that's to be somewhat expected considering, again, who we lost last year. But uh, more mental mistakes. You know, A.J. Terrell got beat bad on that first TV, TD of the game. Um, if, if you look at their total score, uh, one of those, they scored off of a turnover by ET right. and, and they had a short field and Sam Howell makes it just a, uh, I think the, the announcer said that's like a one in a hundred play. And like, you know, that was one of their scores. The other was our best cornerback and one of the better ones in the ACC, AJ Terrell getting, like you said, getting burnt. Um, they must've saw, seen something on tape with him about him probably not thinking any, anyone's going to really test him and, and cutting the route short. Um, so anyhow, they, they must've saw that and exploited it, but I bet that won't happen to Terrell again. Um, that's my guess. No. And again, they only put up 20 points. You mentioned one of those coming off of turnovers, Sam Howell for as good as we thought he looked his, his numbers weren't amazing in this game, only threw for 144 yards. Um, so, I mean, the defense continues to do what hit, um, what it's been doing all year long. I guess my question that I'm trying to get at here is, are we going to, is a team who can run the ball uh, well and be efficient in the passing game, is that going to be a a problem for us here at some point in the season? Because I think that given the competition that we've had, that this defense, yeah, they have been playing well, but I just don't think they've been tested. So it might be a little bit of fool's gold. Yeah, well, I think the blueprint right now, if you're going against one of the better teams and we know who, those, who, who they are, we think we do, there's going to be some points scored. I think the idea is a lot like what we saw against Alabama last year where you create pressure in unique ways, disguised ways, like Trevon Mullen you know, going and, and taking out Tua with a blindside blitz. You have Isaiah Simmons just like who, by the way, it's just a Swiss Army knife and maybe one of the better all-around defensive players I could think of. I think he's just putting together an unbelievable season. But the, again, going back to the blueprint, you you open things up, you play a little bit of the bend, don't break, mixed in with some some disguise blitz and some ways to maybe create turnovers or at least make a big play because you're just not going to – you don't have Dexter Lawrence. You don't have Christian Wilkins and those guys that are going to be able to really stifle opponents. The flip side of that is you need an offense that can score, that can win a 35-34 to the 34 game. Right now, we don't. there's no signs of that offense yet, but I'm confident in the defense and Invenables, even against some of the better competition. See, and the weird thing for me is, is actually I'm less concerned about the offense and maybe more concerned about the defense moving forward. I think just what I've, what I've seen uh, the, the last two games uh, with our rush defense, and then also just at times there's some poor tackling, like linebackers bouncing off of tackles. Now, to their credit, between Skalski, Bale Inspector, Chad Smith, those, the quickness and speed that those guys have is a huge step above what we had last year. Um, but their ability to wrap up and tackle is somewhat suspect. Agreed. I, I, at some point, you, you, you see um, what, what you think might be rust from Skalski. Uh, it's, it, 
it just like maybe he's not so great. Uh, maybe he needs a little bit more time as a starter um, throughout the course of the year because he does take some bad angles um, and has been prone to some poor tackling. Despite that, I still think him and Chad Smith, Chad Smith especially, is really, I, I thought, had a very good season. Um, just knowing his assignments a little bit faster this year, I think he's reshaped his body. I'm, I'm really impressed through and through, despite those missed tackles with the, the linebacking core. They've been maybe, I mean, of course, the secondary in the corners, but the linebackers have been a saving grace. Like, there's no way we'd be a top five defense if, uh, if they weren't having the types of seasons they're having. No, and it's maybe one of those things where, again, we were just spoiled by years past. And when we really take a, a step back and look at things um, from a distance, that this defense is doing just fine and playing above where we thought they would be at this point this year. Yeah. So, what, so you're, so what, I mean, what is it? What is a team that can beat this defense or that, that, that's just going to keep you or stress you the heck out as you're watching it? Is it, is it like Georgia with ground and pound with a little bit of a, of a, of a, a threat? with the passing game or is it, um, is it Justin Fields dual threat? Like, who is it that scares you the most? Well, I think at this point, all those teams scare me. Um, not scare me, but they would obviously be a battle. I wouldn't expect us to go into a playoff and, and blow them out at this point. Now we'll see how this team continues to develop over the course of the year. I think with the offense that we'll be able to see uh, notable progressions, even if our, our uh, competition isn't that great. I think with the defense that we may be able to s still end up you know, pretty highly ranked by the end of the year before we start playing some really tough topic competition before we really know what we have in them. So in a game like this, special teams really comes into play. And we had the good and the bad in this game. You had BT Potter's missed 40-yard field goal, the near fumble on UNC's first punt. Uh, on the flip side of that, Will Spires punted beautifully. That was huge in the field possession uh, a position game, um, especially with how many times he had to run out there and punt the ball. I think it was six on the day, was it? Yeah, I mean, he had great great distance. He had the long, like even his worst punt turned out to be, um, ended up being his best punt. That was the 54-yarder. They got the roll. Um, but five punts, 229 yards on the day, not too shabby. And Gata had some really good returns. I think it's only a matter of time before uh, he breaks one of those loose. But you know, kind of an area where maybe last year, um, there wasn't as much emphasis on, or at least nothing that we didn't see it having a meaningful impact in games because we were blowing everybody out. I think this year is a little bit different. Um, I, I think the punting is much more critical given what we've lost on the defense, and I would like to see some type of scoring start to come from our return game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on all fronts there. And is probably the first guy that when he catches the ball in the end zone, including like Kendrick last year, I'm just yelling for them to hit hit the knee. He's the one guy I want to take it out because I think not only can he get you to the 25-yard line, he has a chance, like you said, to break it loose. And then Spires is, he has proven some doubters wrong, uh, yours truly included. Any concern about the field goal? You yeah. Know. Yeah, I mean, there was something like, the, the, like just the, you know, you could tell by sometimes the action of the ball and and knowing that that was, the, the crowd was really into it at that point in the game early on. I, just, I had a feeling that Potter was not going to be uh, true and it, he wasn't so by the way like they went for it later uh, on a on a on a fourth and uh, I think it was a third and third and four and you knew you're going to go for it on fourth down um, because they pretty much abandoned the field goal uh, from from that yardage kind of that 40 35 40 yard plus yardage range you're going to go for it on on fourth and four you know why don't you script up a play that's get you a little bit closer on third and four yeah, right, with uh, 
having the foresight to know you're going with it on fourth down anyways. Yeah. But yeah, no, Potter, a little, little concerning. He's still young. Yeah, he's one for three from uh, the 40 to 49-yard range this year, and that's really where we've struggled in the past. We've been able to hit those um, with pretty good consistency, the field goals under 40 yards. But um, I don't think it, you know, at this point we can't be too confident if it comes down to a field goal at the end of the game. Yeah, I don't think so. So, I mean, if you're, if you're going to go for it, if it's, if it's four down territory when you get past the, the 40-yard line, then like plan accordingly. Yeah, so bottom line in all of this is there's still a lot of room to grow for this team on, on, in all facets of the game. Um, I think on offense, it, we've got proven known commodities. They just need to click it in, you know, get it in gear and have things start to click for them. And I think once that happens, you're going to see the confidence up and it's going um, it, to come naturally. And I think we'll take off there. I think on the defensive side of the ball, we're still trying to figure out, again, I mentioned defensive end, across the defensive line and our linebacker position, really who are our starters there and who's going to be solid all year long. I still have, I'm still a little bit skeptical um, <laughs> uh, about their ranking right now and whether that holds out uh, throughout the remainder of the year. But, I, you know, we'll see. We don't face a lot of dynamic offenses. We'll see what Florida State is able to do against this defense. Outside of that, South Carolina maybe? Could be. The kitchen sink. And, and by the way, Sam Howell, I thought – we didn't speak a lot on him. I think he was really good. You know, a lot of his poise early on when, when we were sending the house, sending a lot of blitz or a lot of pressure, he had to sit back and, and hit some, some guys on sh- in check down situations or, or under, underneath. And he, he, um, he made some veteran-type plays. Uh, and and that's, a, that's, a, that's a guy you got to worry about in the ACC for the next three years-ish. So, right. And as, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, don't sleep on them uh, making it to the ACC championship game this year. Yeah, they could be right there. And Mac, Mac Brown, return of the Mac. He's got them going in the right direction. But yeah, for I mean, for our offense, one other thing, T. Higgins, I know I've, I've, I've been speaking him up a lot. He's maybe the best receiver in the country. I think he is. He's quietly having a really great year. And I wish we would celebrate that more as Clemson fans and come to terms with it. And that, you know, at least, you know, Etienne's having a great year. The teams are keying on him. Trevor Lawrence is having a solid year. We, we think he could do better. But T. Higgins has just been unbelievable. Throw it in his area code, in his vicinity, and he'll catch it. Um, I think he's taken that leap to the Mount Rushmore territory in, in Clemson, uh, Dabo era receivers. What do you think? Um, yeah, he's averaging over 100 yards receiving a game. So that's not a bad place to start. I'm, again, I'm, I'm still, I guess, more concerned and focused on the other wide receivers coming along. Yeah, Justin Ross, I, I'm not going to say it's been underwhelming. It's just he did set the bar so high in the playoff that people thought he was going to be, you know, the best receiver in the country coming out. And I think, I think he's still got a little ways to go. But, I, I mean, ultimately, you have two really, really good receivers and some young guys that are ready to, ready to be the next in line. Yeah, so ultimately, I don't think it's time to, to panic by any stretch of the imagination. A win is a win. Uh, survive in advance. Dabo preaches that the, the fun is in the winning. Um, I think as fans, we would uh, not feel the same way when it's a, such a close win like it was against North Carolina. It really had us all on the edge of our seats there. Um, but at the end of the day, again, it's good to stay back, know that we're 5-0. and We've got this incredible win streak. 
doesn't matter that we drop one place behind Alabama to number two in the country. We're going to be just fine there. Um, and it just gives us uh, something to look forward to coming out of the bye week next week to see if this team is able to – how they bounce back from this, uh, from this game against North Carolina. Yeah, and Ben, give me – you're more involved in a little bit of social media, a little bit of like the, the message board, that, that, that segment of Clemson's fan base. What are the, what's the kind of the consensus there uh, in terms of is there well is there a consensus in terms of are people alarmed are they upset about what's going on yeah. that we're off to a sluggish start it doesn't seem to be as much doom and gloom as it's been in the past just because I think finally you know all Clemson fans now can look back on the last four years and be like okay okay whew, we've seen this before we've been through this we lost to Pitt woke up the next morning and everything was fine uh, we lost to Syracuse. Everything was fine, so we got to play Alabama. Um, we had that tough game last year uh, against Syracuse. Everything was fine after that. So don't take these one-game anomalies and project them uh, onto the entirety of the rest of the season. That's not necessarily how it's going to play out. I expect Clemson to come back and still put up, have you know efficient offense throughout uh, the rest of the year. You're only going to see them get better, and I think that's what to expect until proven otherwise. Agreed. I mean, it, this was the time last year where we just things really started clicking and the passing game really took shape. And I mean, yeah, lackluster opponents, but at the same time, I still think there's, you, you can learn something from, from bad opponents. Like, do you take care of business? We didn't do it against North Carolina. And that, that says something about your team, but, but ultimately, well, let's say this. I don't get, when I hear the, the talking heads, push Clemson back to fourth or fifth in the country. Like, I don't take that personally. In like 2015, I got, I, I was mad. They're like, what, what the heck? Why do you have us four? Why do you have us five? I could care less now. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter at all where, we, where we're seated. It doesn't matter. No, and again, it's, it's good motivation for this team. Thank you for knocking us back to two. You know Dev is going to use that. Exactly. And, and honestly, coming into this season, Colin Cowherd, chief talking head, said – who I actually kind of like, by the way. I think he's pretty, pretty good for a radio guy. He said this could be the best college football team of all time. And I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes. It's not, the, it's not going to be the best. It's not going to be as good as the year before. But that was, that was the, kind of, uh, the kind of chatter that the team was subject to uh, as the year started. The best ever. Yeah, well, at the same time, I, I don't think we need to let one game like this completely tear down all our expectations for this team. Yeah. Like, would you be surprised? Um, I, I would be surprised to go back to the playoff this year and, you know, wipe the. No, no. I, I, I mean, it's one point you, you brought up is we don't know exactly what Alabama is. We don't know. We know a little bit about Georgia. Uh, we don't know what I, I'm sorry, Michigan State's just not going to give me that, that solid, you know, baseline of an opponent that I want to, that's going to bring out something in, a, in an opponent or that's going to bring out something in Ohio State. So I, I don't know what these teams are yet, but. Yeah, they, I mean, if, if it seems like everyone's taken a little step back from last year, at least Alabama has. So, yeah, we could just as well go in. Mop well, the floor. Yeah, well, let's dive into that. So, speaking of number one Alabama, they had a bye this weekend like us, uh, beat Ole Miss the week before 59 to 31. Uh, Bama gave up 279 yards on the ground against a bad Ole Miss team. So, um, I guess as a as a Clemson fan or an Alabama hater, uh, that's a good sign. But you know, I don't expect Alabama to to play somewhat poorly on one side of the ball against a bad team and see them drop in the rankings. 
Yeah, I think I think. Uh, well, hey, credit to them though. I mean, they like we're seeing what Alabama's been going through for like the last ten years, and they they don't have as many let ga- let down games against better opponents. So I'll give them credit. That's that's, that's a true. lot of focus on uh, from the coaching staff. Um, no, that that's a good point. Um, their letdown games come in the national championship game. Georgia, outside of the Notre Dame game, still don't know a lot about them yet. They had a their game was close early on against Tennessee. Um, and this one this weekend ultimately ended up winning 43-14. to 14. Um, I think, Cody, we're in the same boat, still waiting to see Georgia play some more teams. I think so. Those, those games are forthcoming. The Florida's not so bad in the SEC East. I think, I think they're saving a little. They, they might have like their Clemson mind on right now where, hey, we played in the playoffs before. So we don't, we're going to store it up for the big games. Yeah, and the same can really be said about the, the next several teams in the rankings. You know, you've got Ohio State. They beat Michigan State this weekend, but they haven't played um, a really a tough schedule so far this year. LSU, likewise, they're doing what they need to do. Joe Burrow looks great, um, but still outside of the game against Texas, they haven't really been tested. Oklahoma has only played one team with a winning record so far this year. Their defense is suspect, though Jalen Hurts does look good um at the quarterback there so it's still we're going to see um over the next several weeks these teams are going to start playing each other within conference or some of the tougher teams within their conference so again you talk about Clemson having a close uh, a close win and then how that affects their playoff chances like all these teams aren't going undefeated they're going to play somebody yeah the good thing about this season is the SEC West is really has a chance to make a mess of things and and the, the mess uh, the best the mess in the best sort of way in that if Notre Dame wins out, if, if Ohio state wins out, or at least or maybe they have one loss, um, what, what did they do? And Clemson's got their seat. So I, I really, I really like it. And there's, there's some legitimate drama. So other teams still technically in the mix. Florida had a big win over Auburn this weekend, 24 to 13. I think we saw Bo Nix get exposed. He had three interceptions, um, I think it's going to take him more time to really develop into a, a good college quarterback. Um, so now you have Florida still undefeated. I think they were suspect coming into this game. I thought they were overrated. They've got at LSU next week, and then they eventually play Georgia at home. So that's going to play out, speaking of the SEC. Yeah, I think they, just, they were the beneficiary of a really electric home environment in the swamp. And like you said, Bo Nix, he's still, he's still a year or two away, I think, so... But at least they can they can they could still legitimately beat Georgia. So that that'll be interesting. Yeah, Wisconsin still remains undefeated. Jonathan Taylor is a really good running back for that team. He has uh, he's going to have uh, uh, Heisman chatter. Um, he already has Heisman chatter. He had four rushing touchdowns in their game against Kent State. But I think they get exposed too. They've got Michigan State at Ohio State and Iowa on their schedule. So it's only a matter of time before these teams. Um, eventually, like you're going to start seeing them pick off one by one. There's going to be some losses coming. Agreed. Uh, I don't think Wisconsin has what it takes to be elite, but they're good enough to upset Ohio State, and that's all we ask. Exactly. Virginia had a really big opportunity a couple weeks ago to um, win one for the ACC against Notre Dame and South Bend. They were up 17 to 14 at halftime, ultimately losing that game 35 to 20. Turnovers really killed them. Uh, Bryce Perkins continues to look good. Um, still, that doesn't hurt them in the ACC standings. So between, I think between them, Pitt, and UNC, those are our most likely candidates for an ACC championship game matchup. Yeah, I think, you know, nothing to, not to take anything away from Virginia. You know, they, I think they played really well. And they're, 
legitimate top 25 team. That's, I mean, no one else in the ACC can say that really. Um, I mean, Wake Forest maybe. But what I want to ask you about Notre Dame is will they close out the year with just one loss? They lost to Georgia, so they can, can they run the remainder of their schedule without losing? Can they run through? And that's, that's Michigan on the road. It's, it's Stanford, I believe, at home. And that's about it. A couple of uh, ACC opponents. They play Southern Cal coming up this weekend. Southern Cal, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, Southern that's, Cal. That's at home. No, I mean, the schedule doesn't strike fear into you. So I can easily see them winning out. But uh, considering they don't play a conference championship game, I think once they have one loss, that almost all but eliminates them from playoff contention. Obviously, it depends on what else happens. But I think a lot more has to happen for them uh, when compared to other potential one-loss teams. All right. Yeah, and then elsewhere around the ACC, UNC bounced back, had a good win against Georgia Tech, beating them 38-22. to Howell, 376 yards and four TDs. I've kind of stopped following Texas A&M at this point. I don't think it moves the needle much for our strength of schedule, but UNC is a team that I'm going to be paying close attention to uh, for the rest of the year moving forward. Definitely. I, I could legitimately see them getting into the top 25 by the end of the year just because, if nothing else, Mac Brown's a great coach. Sam Howell is, has a chance to be a really good quarterback. Yeah, and it's one thing how Sam Howell looked through the first five games. Give that kid another five games under his belt um, as a true freshman, and he's just going to keep getting better and better, most likely. Uh, finally, Florida State uh, beat NC State 31-13. to That's who we've got coming up next. Hornybrook had 316 yards passing and three TDs in this game. It'll be interesting to see when uh, Blackman comes back if they actually leave Hornybrook in there as a starter. Coming up next week, we've actually got a pretty good slate of games. you got number one, Alabama at 25, Texas A&M. I think I expect Alabama to win that game big. Um, the only reason to watch is that we'll have the common opponent. you got South Carolina at Georgia. Um, I don't think it's a big test for Georgia. That game is always closer than it seems. Um, it'll be interesting to follow Ryan Hilinski uh, and see how he continues to progress. Um, but I think the big game, two big games this weekend, Oklahoma, Texas, and then Florida at LSU. So finally, I think we're going to start to see some movement here one way or the other. I think Florida probably gets exposed at LSU. And I think this will be Oklahoma's only real test this year during the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see how that game at Texas goes. So with LSU, I, they got, they have Florida coming into town, as you mentioned, I think they blow them out at home and expose Florida. Cause I don't think they're the seventh best team in the country. So LSU will have their kind of their 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 time of getting to you know have the the, the claim the top win of the season, but that's going to be short lived because Auburn, Alabama, are coming up. Yeah, I would put Notre Dame ahead of Florida right now, to be honest with you. Oh yeah, ranking wise, probably even Wisconsin, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, so that's all we've got for you today. Thank you to everyone for joining. Um, we'll be back at you next week with a recap of the Florida State game. Um, in the meantime, uh, please reach out to us. You can email us at clemsonpodcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up at uh, Clemson Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Please do uh, leave us an iTunes review if you have time and then be sure to subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app before to make sure that our shows get pushed to you as soon as they're released. Again, thanks for listening and until next time and as always, go Tigers.
All right, folks. Well, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Um, coming to you live from the suburbs is Cody Fowler. Channel, channel your persona, Ben. They've got Chipotle's and Supercuts. Channel your Sports Center anchor, Scott Van Pelt persona. Hi, folks. How you doing? It's Ben of the podcast. I don't sound like that. 